a lot of the time, someone's issue, someone's difficulty, and it's a real difficulty. I'm not, I don't want to say it's not a real thing. It's keeping them up at night. They're praying over it. They're thinking about it. They're searching for answers. A lot of the time it was based on a bad assumption. It was based on a bad expectation. Uh, I use Luke 24 with that. Remember the two apostles on the road to Emmaus mm -hmm. and the savior died and they were talking to the savior unknowingly. And they said, we thought he was the Messiah. We thought he was coming to redeem Israel. We thought this was it, but obviously it's not. And the savior responds with you fools. Uh, and, and what, where did they get the expectation? The Messiah would not die. They didn't, definitely didn't get it from Jesus. Where'd they get that expectation? The Messiah would not suffer and die. Well, they got it from tradition. They got it from bad reading of the scriptures. They got it from their parents. They got it from their teachers. And maybe they just made an assumption out of thin air. Messiah is not going to die. So instead of doubting God, they should doubt their expectations first. I think that's what President Uchtdorf meant when he said, doubt your doubts. I think what he meant was analyze your expectations first. Merry Christmas from all of us over here at the Cultural Hall. If you're getting this episode in the future, we release this on Christmas. That's why I just said Merry Christmas. Now, if you're looking at the title of it and you're saying, Hank Smith, wasn't he just in a couple of months ago? Yes, he was. You'll hear why he's back for a second episode. But on a personal note, I want to take a second and uh, thank Hank Smith for all that he does, uh, not only for his students down at BYU, but for what he does for the online community of the church. I know that the last few months have been particularly hard for him. I don't think that it's an overshare to say that he lost his brother due to COVID. Uh, he shared that online, so I'm just uh, reiterating it. But if you like this episode, if you like Hank and what he does, uh, I'm sure that he would love hearing from you. And, uh, you know, you never know what to say in something like that. But just, you know, letting him know that uh, what he said was appreciated or that he's a great guy or, you know, it's all part of a plan or whatever the thing is. Right. I don't know. I never know what to say in those cases. Uh, but I did want to say to uh, Hank, I've been thinking about you the last couple of months and uh, hope that all is, you know, getting there with your family. I won't say good or better or whatever. Right. But, you know, that you're, get, you're getting there, that you're doing the things and. If there's anything that uh, the cultural hall or me personally can do, I'm in for it. Let me know. I'll, I'll, I'll listen. We'll sit down and do another episode and talk about that if you want. Invitation is extended. Now, uh, I also need to let you know that as this is uh, the end, the tail end of 2020, there is still time for you to be able to become a Patreon saint of the cultural hall for just three dollars a month. That goes away at the end of the year. End of 2020, it disappears. It's gone. Uh, lots of friends have found their way to the cultural hall. So thank you so much, Patreon Saints, who are doing that. Thanks for those that will do that, uh, for many who have done that, and that will yet still do that. Right? Isn't that how this... Okay, forget it. Uh, I hope that you enjoyed this episode of the cultural hall. It's time for another episode of the cultural hall. And yes, the guest is Hank Smith. Now, you're probably thinking... Wasn't Hank just in the Cultural Hall not too long ago? Yes, he was. You'll find a link to that either at theculturalhall.com or in the show notes for this episode. He was on number 427. Thank you. A great number, Hank. Uh, but here's, the, here, here's what happened, Hank. Uh, you and I, if you listen to that conversation, we had, we had a great time. Uh, I did. I, yeah, a wonderful time. Yeah, I think as we come away from it, we're like, man, if either of us ever had time to have friends, 
we might be friends. This would be it. Yeah, we yeah. would. <laughs> like, I don't want to go bromance because I think that term is weird. But like, friendship maybe was born. Oh. I don't know. Oh, we would we would sit in a restaurant for hours. For hours, we could just talk in a restaurant. But to that point, my wife gets done editing the episode, and says, "Yeah, what was the point? What was the point of Did that you episode? Talk about anything? <laughs> yeah." Did you guys talk about anything at all that people would want to listen? And I said, well, listen, you know, people know Hank. They like to listen to him speak. And we talked about a lot of stuff, as I find from your assistant and other folks, that, that they'd never heard you speak about before. Yeah. But, 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 but we didn't get, you know, we didn't get terribly deep. So this is the deep, the deep dive with Hank Smith. I'm excited. Let's, let's go at it. Let's, Buckle let's up. Those difficult questions. Well, those he, cultural hall <laughs> hard hitters. All right. Well, let's start here. Let's ease into this, won't you please? Okay. <laughs> uh, my first question that I have for you uh, is, well, we should probably set the table. Tell people who you are in case they don't know who Hank Smith is. Yeah. Maybe they didn't listen to episode yeah. 427. So who oh, you want me to tell? Yeah. Them? Yeah. I, uh, listen, okay. I'm so not I Hank Smith. A, yeah. Yeah. I am an author, a speaker. Uh, I'm a religion professor at BYU. I'm a father of five, been married 20 years. I'm 42 years old. Uh, I like to bike. I like to jog. Uh, and I like to hike and camp. Um, and I am big on social media. I really like, I'm not a big deal on social media. I am myself big on social media. I really like it. Yeah, I like the, you can't get like him to idea. shut up on Twitter. That's what I feel. Yeah, I like the idea of reach, yeah. right? Reach. <laughs> Let's keep having reach. So, so, and I'm, you know, social media to me is like something, I bet it's the same way for you, Richie. It's something we've always wanted. Yeah. We could talk to people whenever we want to talk to people. Yeah. Right? It's so fun. Yeah. It's awesome. And, and surprisingly enough, if you can get it to be a big enough reach, there's at least one person who will listen to you when everyone else doesn't want to hear you anymore. Right. They'll converse with you. Yeah. Sure. Or, or at the very least, they'll fight with you. I've found. Yeah. <laughs> I try right. not to do that anymore, yeah. but yeah, they will. There's I, people who will fight with you. See, and I made a, and I was good. Like the first 10 years of Facebook, I can think of maybe a fight that I got in right. on social media. And in the last two months, I am blocking and unsubscribing and leaning into the, I know you think that, but you're wrong. Like, I, I don't know yeah. if I'm, I don't know if I'm in that phase of COVID, but it's like, you think that, huh? Well, you're wrong. Where I would have normally just been like, man, okay. Everybody right? gets their own Especially belief. Especially Twitter, right? Especially yeah. Twitter. The others, the others, I'm like, hey, I'm not going to, I'm not going to jump in. I'm not going to do the fight with ward members. Yeah. Yeah. Facebook. I've seen that happening. You know, my fellow elders quorum people in my elders quorum going at it. And I'm like, ah, I'm not doing that. I'll fight with strangers. I won't fight with neighbors. <laughs> well, and I and I love, and we don't, we won't go down. This will not be the difficult part of our conversation. But okay. I love, but I love the comments that I'm seeing a bunch now, where it's like, I don't know how any good member of the church could vote for, and it doesn't right, matter. Right. It's fill in whatever it's blank you would like. <laughs> That's absolutely amazing, actually. That. That two people can look at the have the exact same faith foundation, look at the exact same election, and be polar opposites. But that's how it is. Yeah. That so is. so enough of that trivial trivial stuff. We're falling okay. into the trap, Hank. I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah. We'll we'll just keep chatting. We can't keep chatting. Uh, I want I want to ask you this. You are a a professor of religion. What is your favorite specific doctrine to teach? And this there's going to be a two part question. So 
One, what is what is it for that? And then the second follow up, and I'll share mine. What is your favorite? Like, okay, this is odd about the church doctrine to teach. Ooh, okay, I like both of these questions. All right, my favorite doctrine to teach. Um, well, let's let's leave out. You know, let's do like the will of fortune and say you can't choose this, this, or this. Okay, right? okay. Because, because if I don't, if I don't say my favorite doctrine to teach is the atonement of Jesus Christ then I, I'm not a good religion teacher. Right, it's right? the same thing like, what's your favorite book? If it's not the Book of Mormon, everyone goes, right. oh, but if oh, you say yeah. the Book of Mormon, everyone goes, cool, great. Well, we're going to yeah, get real yeah. deep you, here. You, so you got to say, you can't say this, 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 or this. Okay. okay. Um, and I'm not going to say any, the usual ones. Probably my favorite doctrine to teach, um, at least the one that's coming to mind, is when I teach Matthew 25, and we talk about the parable of the talents. And how uh, there's one guy who starts with five, comes back with 10. One guy who starts with two, comes back with four. One guy starts with one and comes back with, comes back with one. And we usually focus on the one guy, right? Because he's lazy and he didn't do anything. Yeah. And the, the lesson is don't be lazy. But I really like <laughs> the other two. The other two are one guy starts with five and ends with 10. One guy starts with two and ends with four. And they get the exact same reward. I mean, word for word, the exact same reward. Uh, and so I like to point out to the students, let's just talk about these two. Let's forget about the one for a second. Let's just talk about these two. Tell me what this means. And as they study it, they realize that the Lord doesn't judge us just on where we finish, but where we finish relative to where we started. Hmm. Um, and to me, that is that changes a lot, right? It changes for the students, at least. They can no longer compare well, look, I'm doing better than so-and-so, so I must be do I must be fine. You can't do that because you don't know where so-and-so started. Um, you also can't say, well, I'm, you know, I'm doing better than the world. I don't know if you've ever used that before, Richie. Well, you know, look at the world. They're terrible. I'm yeah. I'm doing better than that. And the Lord would say, Of course you're doing better than that. You were you started way ahead where they where they started from. Mm -hmm. It also tells me that I can't condemn anyone. Uh, you know, so-and-so is uh, left the church and uh, he's come out, uh, he's gay, he's going to go live a, live a gay lifestyle. I can't say, well, well I know where that's going to end up because I don't know. Right. Um, the first, the second guy never gets to where even the first guy started, right? He ends with four. The first guy started with five. So those are two completely separate situations, yet they get the exact same reward. To me, it's a very freeing doctrine. Um, that the Lord uh, in judgment is, is going to take all things into account. Mm. My genetic and chemical makeup, right? He's going to take in my my the traditions of my fathers. He's going to take in uh, everything. Sorry about that. I need to close my email. Uh, <laughs> so uh, to me, it's it's my favorite because I think it it lightens it lightens the load of a human being, but it also takes away some of our excuses. Yeah, yeah, uh, and and to me, it's a uh, you know, whenever someone says, well, aren't you bothered by so-and-so and the way they're living? Um, no, not really. Well, why not? Parable of the talents. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where they're supposed to end up. I'm sure the guy with 10 looked back at the guy with four and went, oh, dude, you are in so much trouble. And then he ends up in the exact same place as him. He's like, well, hey, hey. How did you get here? And, and the guy with four is going, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know how I got here. Uh, and then when we learn each other's situations, we learn that we all start in different places. Even even people in the same family start in different places, right? Because we're all so so unique. So I think it just kind of leaves judgment to the Lord. And and I've got a lot to do. I feel like I was born into a good situation that I was given quite a bit, and I think much is required. So I don't have time to I don't have time to judge other people or compare myself to other people because I've got right. I've got what I the gifts I was given. I've got to make something out of them. And uh, that's where I can place all my focus. Yeah. So, 
to me, that's a fun one. That's the one that came to mind when you yeah. asked me that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll tell you briefly mine. Uh, I really like the like lo- love one another. That's my favorite. <laughs> that's my favorite one. And honestly, like, um, and I'll see if I can dig this up. But this is probably six or seven years ago. I went on an atheist atheist rather podcast where okay. they wanted to talk to me about the church and they knew what I did with the cultural hall and. And they wanted to, you know, fire all these different things at me. But what about wives? And what about money? Right. And, tra- you know, and all these We're things. Trip you up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and this sounds really basic. But for so many of those things or those things that I feel like really trip up a lot of folks. Like, I really like to just be like, all right. So in this whole order of like how, you know, Christ or God taught things. He's like, all right, love me. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm still trying to figure that out. But then the love one another part. And since I still suck so bad at that, just like so badly at loving other people, as we mentioned in my social media fights, but there are plenty of other examples of how bad I am at that. Like I can focus on that and how I treat other people that when people are like, but what about like my wife's not a member of the church? How do you know what's that going to be like in the other? And I'm like, you know, I, I don't know. I'm going to get through loving <laughs> loving I'm other still people. On this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm still and on this one. and then I'll focus on all the other things and 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 so for me, some people think that that's dismissing a lot of things or shelving a whole lot of stuff. Maybe it is, but I love to just be like, you know what you'll never go wrong with? Just loving another person and finding yeah. out how and, you know, to your point, knowing that everyone is in different places and different things but really trying to be like, ah, I just I just I just love you. That's yeah. it. And I, you know what? I hate that idea of a shelf because I think it's a false paradigm. I think it's a bad paradigm um, because you're not shelving anything. You're prioritizing. Hmm. You're saying that's not important to me. I'm not going to spend my time and energy on that. You're not shelving it going, well, later, this has to be answered. No, it doesn't. Hmm. Uh, I am. I'm not very concerned about that. I, I'm concerned about this, this, this thing right in front of me. This is where I'm going to spend my time and my energy. So I, Again, you know, some people love the idea of the shelf. It helps them comprehend some things. But to me, it's a false paradigm. I, I, I think it's, it's set up wrong uh, because then you say, well, my shelf broke. Really? Yeah. It was out of your control. Your shelf broke. Yeah. Uh, it, it's almost a way I can blame something, something other than myself. So again, no offense to anybody. I just don't like the, I don't like the analogy. So. so what's your cool, odd, weird thing about the church? And if, and if you don't know where I'm going, I'm more than willing to go first if you would like. Oh, um, I've got plenty. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, then I've yes, please. I've got your, plenty. Your weird, oddly Mormon Church of Jesus Christ of um, Latter-day Saints thing that you're like, <laughs> did you know? Ooh, I've got so many. Okay. I've got so many. Um, probably, well, this probably isn't a great one for for this thing. Just because I'm, I, I when I when someone says, you know, I'll talk about my class. We'll talk about Jackson County, Missouri. Okay, right? okay. And I'll say, um. And, and it's, it's kind of odd. The Garden of Eden was in Missouri. Right. And it's like, oh, really? You know, that's the, ter- oh, wow. That's, that's where the Garden of Eden was. And my favorite thing to tell the students is, do you realize that our critics would say that about any location? It does not matter if Joseph Smith says the Garden of Eden's in Hawaii. Oh, really? The Garden of Eden's in Finland. Oh, re- it does not matter what the location yeah. is. It's the fact that he had the audacity to claim he knew where the Garden of Eden was. And that kind of opens their eyes. They're like, oh, yeah. And people are like, how convenient that the Garden of Eden is in Missouri, so close to Joseph Smith. I'm like, that was not close yeah. to Joseph yeah. Smith. Right. 
uh, when he's in New York or Ohio and he says Missouri, that's a lifetime away. Yeah. Uh, right. It's, 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 it's not, not a, pl- it's not a plane ride. It's not a, you know, not a, close. It's yeah. not a drive. It's, it's, you know, if you could, where can we get to today? You know, in, if, if I could say, where could you get to in six weeks? Cause that's how long it's going to take them to walk from Ohio to Missouri. Where could you get in six weeks? Anywhere on the planet. You could get anywhere in the planet on in six weeks time. So that was a fun one. Um, you go and then I'll think of another. Keep going. I want to so, hear so, you. So uh, my favorite one that I like to teach, and and I, I have talked with several people who have never considered it or looked at it this way, and that's sort of why I like it. But okay. we know uh, Peter, James, and John asked to never touch or taste of death, right? Right. So... When they restored the Melchizedek priesthood to Joseph Smith, it wasn't like when Moroni, we sort of assume, came from the sky or, you know, some sort of heavenly visit. Peter, James, and John probably came through the woods and were like, hey, Joseph. Yeah, no, no, no. We were, I mean, we grabbed a burger and then, you know, we were over on this side of the river and we camped there. And, oh, if you do, if you get a chance, check out uh, way upstate New York because we've been staying there for a while. But now we're here now we're going to do this. And then instead of like leaving and part of a heavenly visitation, they're just like, well, see you later. Yeah. yeah. Goodbye. We're gonna go. Yeah. Um, I've, I've thought that same thing too. What if John is the only one who stays on the earth and Peter and James haven't seen him since they died? Yeah. And they're like, Johnny. Right. Yeah. And they're doing handshakes and Joseph and Oliver are just watching. Like, they're like, we haven't seen each other in a long time. Yeah. How have you been? Right. <laughs> so I, I, yeah, that's a, that's a fun one. I, I think there are some fun things uh, from, from church history uh, that you can say, what if it was like this, right? What yeah. if it was like this? How fascinating. Um, how fascinating is that idea? All right. We're and gonna and, keep and to be fair, I should say with all of these, it probably doesn't matter like how it right. went down, but it is absolutely like if Mormons went to bars, these would the, be the conversations that we would have at it's bars. Ex- it's like, yeah, do you think he was, do you think it was like that? Yeah. Do you think it was like that? Oh yeah. I, I, I love stuff like that. I think, I think that is absolutely fascinating. I'm going to think of more now. I, I, I wanted to, you should have sent me this earlier. Cause I could have, I could have taught, I could have thought about this. I'm going to be, I'm going to put it in the back of my mind. I might come back to it. As Are you going to put it on the shelf? Is that what you're saying, Hank? Is put that- it on the shelf. <laughs> Uh, and I'm going to go, okay, uh, hmm. but you know, it might stew back there. And all of a sudden I'll go, oh yeah. Cause I'm trying to think of moments where my students go, what, you know, those moments. Yeah. I never, I never knew that. I'll, right? I'll share one more that just comes quickly to mind. Cause I just barely learned this been in the church for okay. <clears throat> years. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, cause I don't actually know because of the whole excommunication and then rebaptized thing like i don't actually know how many years i've been in the church discussion for a different time i don't know if you knew that got it yeah i didn't know that i'm okay i'm excited to to Uh, hear this but but the thing that i think isn't where are we talking the restaurant this will be yeah (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. uh i didn't know that emma smith was pregnant when joseph smith was martyred oh really you didn't know that no i didn't i just yeah it it, it's not something that i think that we talk a ton about because Mm -hmm. You know, it's sort of like Joseph Smith is martyred and then we just are like, and then Emma, and we just sort of move on and move west, really. Right. Yeah, there's a lot there that that people don't realize um, that uh, Emma Smith got remarried to Louis Vitamin uh, and that she was married for a couple, you know, a, a couple of decades, that he had a child, um, uh, an affair and had a child and that child lived with Emma uh, <laughs> during that, um, you know, and it's just, I mean, there's so much to learn. I do church history tours. I'll take people on a bus from 
Palmyra, New York to Nauvoo, Illinois. Um, and sometimes I think next time we uh, restore the church, we need to do this a lot closer together <laughs> and a lot, you know, where there's better restaurants uh, yeah. because, yeah, and hotels. So I'll, I'll let them know that. But, and people are fascinated by what they don't, right? Like by what they don't know. They're yeah. just, what? Really? I never knew that, right? Yeah. Um, especially about like the translation of the Book of Mormon. That is a fun one to teach. Right. When I teach the translation of the Book of Mormon and I tell them, here's what the journal entries say. Here's this, this, this. Here's what Oliver Cowdery said. Here's what, you know, David Whitmer said. Here's what. And that these are stories they've never heard before. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are fun ones where they're like, I never, I never knew that. You know, Joseph Smith Searstones. Um well, you know, and, that, and it's so interesting because I think for a long time, like we didn't teach that narrative. So maybe we're going to take this in a serious question. But like I know, particularly on that one, that it wasn't until I saw the South Park episode about Joseph Smith, <laughs> right? where it's like Joseph Smith looked to the hat, dum, 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 dum. I was like, right. Hey, all right, these guys have jumped the shark. And then I'm like, all right, Internet, what do you have to? Oh, oh, wow. He oh, did. He oh, did. oh, all right. Wait, wait. You know, because the narrative that at least I feel like I was taught growing up was, you know, that either he used oh, the yeah, urim and thummim and he looked through and, you know, I guess I sort of created that it maybe morphed the, Im- the you know, the characters into words Absolutely. and then he would cite them or that he would just sort of look at them. There was a sheet and he would be, you know, looking at the actual pages and someone was on right. the other side. Not how it was. Yeah, no sheet. There was there was never a sheet during the translation process. Maybe there was a sheet when he copied down the characters. Yeah. Um, and that's where that came from, when he just copied them down on the Anthem transcript. Um, oh, yeah, it's it's fun to teach. I And, and when someone says to me, uh, the church lied to me, I'm going, the church, I promise you, there was no concerted effort to go, we have to hide this information. It, really, what happens is we come to Utah, we get reestablished, and the feelings between us and a lot of those saints especially Emma, because her son takes over uh, the reorganization. Joseph Smith III takes over the reorganization, and they are preaching uh, that Joseph Smith never taught polygamy. That was a Brigham Young thing. And so there's a lot of animosity between the two. I mean, think of this. During this time period, you've got Joseph F. Smith, um, who is, or Joseph Fielding Smith, the first, right, the first one. He is president of the church, while his first cousin, right? The son of Joseph Smith is the president of the reorganization. Mm. So they're cousins, right? The son of Hiram Smith and the son of Joseph Smith. And there's some, there is not a lot of love right there Mm -hmm. between those two. So these names like Emma Smith, uh, David Whitmer, Oliver Cowdery, Oliver comes back to the church, but you know, he's connected to the Whitmers. He's, he married into their family. Mm -hmm. Um, Martin Harris, all of that is, is associated with the reorganization, right? So so taking those witnesses, that's all the witnesses of the translation of the Book of Mormon. And yep. so they were seriously doubted because they were considered apostate, right? They had left the church for at least for a time, most of them. David Whitmer never came back. And so all of those, those statements or anything about the translation of the Book of Mormon was kind of just put away because it's like, well, how can we trust any of those people? They're all, they all left the church. So <laughs> we're going to, you know, we're going to trust later, later witnesses. It wasn't until you know, people like Leonard Arrington come along in the 1950s and 60s saying, let's do, let's, let's do historical research. Let's look into what the statements were made, whether the people left the church or not. Mm-hmm. And that, that, then the story starts to come along. And then it's like, okay, now we have a narrative going uh, because we shelved, you know, shelved. Yeah. We, we filed away all those statements. Now we have this narrative going. 
and and those statements are completely against it. So now it's now we've got to work out this situation, right? And slowly the historians have have kind of won that battle of hey, let's let's just look at what the statements of everyone who was there, whether they left the church eventually or not. Uh, and the church is saying, oh. Uh, look at that. We, you know, when we do actual historical, let's let the historians do their job. We can come up with a, a wonderful picture of what happened. But again, this was this was not a concerted effort. There's nobody sitting around the board going, "We've got to stop them." Right? <laughs> this is. I mean, can you imagine being a church administrator in the higher, you know, in the twelve, the first presidency, the seventy? The discussions they're having are saints in Africa need water. Right. Right. Um, They're not discussing, you know, oh, how are we going to stop this story from circulating? I I doubt that, you know, some of the Utah stuff is even on their minds because they've got a Utah presidency of the 70 to take care of that. We're a global church. So uh, anyway, I I don't buy into the idea that the church lied to me. Um, I, I just do not see any evidence pointing to a concerted movement to lie to people let's take uh, it was just, let's take a break right here and then we'll come back uh in the second block who knows because we haven't planned it out as hank pointed out i haven't sent him the questions we don't know where we're going but we do know we're having a very serious not just a couple of dudes talking at a mormon bar not chatting yeah we are not, not chatting. chatting we are we're discussing issues we'll come back and do that in the second block of the cultural hall On behalf of LDS Bookstore, they would like to thank you for shopping at LDSBookstore.com this holiday season. Many of you came out online, bought the gifts, sent them away, sent them to yourselves, got yourself something nice, sent it to the person that you love, sent it as a secret Santa, all of the things by using LDSBookstore.com. And Brandon, his family, uh, all of the folks over at LDS Bookstore just wanted to say thank you so much for patronizing their online store, for all that they were able to do for you, for bringing the light, for bringing the gifts, for helping you out and doing all that. Uh, Remember, as you look to shop for things in the future, for all things church-themed and otherwise, make sure you check out ldsbookstore.com. Here in the second block of the Cultural Hall, I'll tell you what, if you are a Patreon subscriber of the Cultural Hall by going to patreon.com forward slash the Cultural Hall, you got this episode a long time ago. That's right, I held on to it because I wanted to wait a little while, but if you are a Patreon subscriber, you saw it. There's a group called Patreon Saints of the Cultural Hall that you get to be a part of if you are a Patreon saint. It, it is secret, it is not sacred, uh, so you just have to find it on Facebook. Uh, we admit you if you become a Patreon subscriber. Now, before we took a, a break, uh, Hank, you said, you know, oh, th- you may have a student that comes to you and it's like, hey, the church lied to me or, you know, someone else because you teach religion. They would feel probably more open to having that discussion with you than than someone Absolutely. else. Absolutely. Happens happens a lot. Yeah. I, I think I think about my experience. I didn't go to BYU, but I did have institute professors um, because of their gifts they were able to connect with me and in a formative time of my life that I I felt comfortable to say, hey, I've got questions about and insert any sort of things that I would ask right. them about sexuality, church history, you know, any sort of thing. And uh, so I guess my next question is about that. So someone comes to you and I don't want to address necessarily like the church lied to me part okay, of it because i because in general I, maybe yeah because i feel like you already you know you sort of address that but these are people who are coming to you 
who in one way or another are hurting are at a pivotal crucial right. time talk to me how you how you engage them some in ways that we can maybe learn from the example that you have should we be trusted to be that pivotal person for someone else Ooh. I love this. Is, this is fantastic. Um, first of all, I'm probably, you know, I get around you, Richie, and I get a little flippant, a little too confident. Um, I, I probably should come a little softer, right? Uh, so I wouldn't be this guy on this podcast <laughs> as yeah. they walk into my office. What is wrong with you? There yeah. is no concerted effort to lie to you whatsoever. I, right. It's not that way. It's just you bring out this side of me. Uh, so <laughs> Thank thanks, you. Richie. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if my wife would love us yeah. hanging out. Well, right? our wives will never really listen. My wife will edit this and your wife will be like, what? Who? I don't know. Yeah. You did another one. Good for you. Good yeah. for you. Did you get paid? Yeah. <laughs> All right. By the way, how much is it to be a, pat a Patreon saint? How much is that? It's as little as $3 a month. Oh, see. Now, well, let's, let's bring this up. A topic for if you want to bring it up later, because you and... Well, I don't know if you definitely don't get as much as I do, I'm sure. But I get this idea of if there's money involved in what we're doing at all, you are guilty of prescribing. Oh, yeah. No, save um, it. We'll talk about it for we sure. We could talk about that because that I get an email once a month about that. Yeah, let's ponderize right. that and we'll come back and we'll get to that. Okay, yeah. We've we put a lot on hold, so we got a lot to go back to. We'll do, let's do initial, like the first episode, and then we'll do, if you want the extended story, there's seven other hours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So someone comes to my office. It happens frequently. Um, I think, uh, one, I'm going to give everybody a resource that would be helpful. Uh, two resources, actually, that I have really used the most. One is uh, a book by Anthony Sweat. Have you inter interviewed Anthony ever? I have, but it's time I have him back on. Yeah. Anthony wrote a book called Seekers Wanted. I don't know if you've read it. I have um, not. But it's Anthony is a has been teaching church history for over two decades now. He's a he's just a dynamic teacher, talented guy, very good thinker, very incredible mind. Uh, and he um, he basically took his two and a half decades of teaching church history uh, and other parts of the church, right, uh, and put it into this book. And he didn't say, okay, here's all the answers. He said, here's how to become an answerer, right? Here's how to become uh, someone who can analyze sources, uh, becoming source critical. And Here's how you look at history. And remember this, if you want to be a, a value, you know, if you want to look at history like a historian, here's how you look at it. So um, I would, I highly recommend Anthony's book. He is a friend of mine, but he doesn't know I'm doing this. And he'd never, he would never pay me a dime to mm -hmm. do this. Well, it would uh, be preachcraft if he did, but that's yeah, a discussion yeah, he would, yeah, for later. I, I, would, I would throw it at his, get that out of my face. <laughs> uh, second um, is a book by Robert Millet called um, No Weapon Shall Prosper. And what, Brother Millet does. It's definitely not as interesting a book, and it's definitely longer. Uh, but he takes a scholarly look at the most controversial issues that he saw when the book was published. That might have changed since then. Uh, some things might have come up since, and I think it's been ten years since the book was published. But uh, that one has been just helpful for me because I, I, you know, I value uh, the opinions of scholars. I've that's that's happened but uh, but let me push back a little bit as someone who has gone to visit with whom he's trusted and i'm thinking of a time i was really struggling and i went to a bishop and he's like yeah what's going on and i sort of confessed to him right 
I mean, that's not, that's not the scenario I'm painting with you. No one would confess to you. But right, when right. I said, yeah, you know, I'm struggling with this. And he's like, read these scriptures. I was like, cool. So like, you don't actually hear me. So I want to, I want to take another step. Those are great resources. I'm glad yeah, to be able to share that. That's how I start out. That's just for me personally. Okay. 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 That's what's helped me become a better answerer. Okay. So then someone comes to my office and I've, I've, I've done my, you know, I've, I've, I've done the, the personal work. It's hard to be a good answerer when you haven't really done your personal work other than, you know, someone comes to you and you said, okay, uh, pray more. Yeah. Uh, go to the temple, go to the temple. That always helps me. I've, and those are great answers, but that's not someone who's done some background work, you know, to, to really offer someone something that, that helps uh, solve their specific issue. For me, it's uh, let's, one, I, I have a, a way of looking at the church that is sometimes new for people. Um, I, it comes from Lorenzo Snow, actually. He said, when we started as a church, we were an infant in New York. And I've kind of taken this idea and taken it further. Uh, that the church is not all just true, according to Doctrine and Covenants 1, right? That's where we get that. We love that phrase, the church is true. We've coined that. It's ours. It's yeah. patented church is true. And it comes from Doctrine and Covenants 1, but the Lord didn't say the church is the only true church. He said, it's the only true and living church upon the face of the earth with which I, the Lord God, am well pleased. That's much bigger than this is the only true church. Everyone else is off their rocker. No. Um, so I like to tell them that let's look at this idea of living. That's something you don't hear in testimony meeting very often. The church is true and living. What do living things do? Uh, they are born they grow, they learn, they change, they adjust, um, they make mistakes. They, you know, there are, I like that idea. I like that paradigm of the church. And so here you are, the church is, you know, uh, brand new. It's in New York and it's just an infant and it's just crawling. And the Lord is pretty much there the whole time as a parent, right? Yeah. Let's you up. Let's help you. Let's, well, you know. Okay. You don't constant, know how to do this. I'm going to tell you how to do this specific thing. All right. Here right you there's go. constant feedback to the church, right? This, this parental figure is there just helping it grow. It gets to Ohio and now it's, it's getting into elementary school. It's trying things out. It's burning its hand on the stove. Kirtland Cave Safety Society, right? I was just going to say, I love that this example too, because like that's when kids are first learning about money and we have that disastrous experiment yeah. of the Bank. <laughs> a disaster. Um, and we're learning what profits are, right? At the beginning, it was whatever Joseph Smith touches turns to gold. Mm. Um, and we learned a valuable lesson that that's not true. Um, and I think everybody figures that out now. I think by, you know, here we are. I think we get into junior high in Missouri and we get beat up. Uh, right. Um, and we brought a little bit of it on ourselves. We were, you know, uh, but we didn't deserve the beating we got, right? I mean, we, we ran our mouth a little and we got pummeled mm -hmm. uh, and got our book bags taken and someone, you know, I mean, we got, we got really beat up. Then we go to Nauvoo. We're, uh, you know, we're now starting our high school years, I guess. We're a teenager uh, and we flourish for a little bit. Things go great. And all of a sudden we're like, I know everything. Mm. Right. And uh, then we then we move out of the house. We <laughs> we're now in we're now in our early 20s and we go out to Utah. We're on our own. Um, and I think now 2020, I don't know where we are exactly. I mean, maybe I think we're more advanced than we are, but I think we're I think we're about Richie Hank age. 
right? And <laughs> so very back- young, very handsome, yeah. lots of life left. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Um, we're looking back at some of the things we did and said mm-hmm. when we were younger going, man, I really thought I knew what I was talking about. Like I really did. And now I'm looking back going, I was maybe a little too forceful with that. Mm-hmm. I was maybe a little too confident with that. Um, I better, I, you know, I better, I've, I've got to wisen up here. And I think we're on the brink of that. I think what we've seen in the last 20 years is a, a beautiful growth by the church in wisdom and in just in understanding. And, uh, and I feel like a living thing would do that same thing. So mm-hmm. when students come to me and they, and they say, oh, I'm really struggling with this. And I'll, uh, you know, why did Brigham Young say that? Why did Elder McConkie say that? Why did that? Right. Well, I'm going, well, it's a living thing. And just like any other living thing, we, you know, I asked them, is there anything in your past that you, that you regret? Yeah. And they'll, yeah, of course. Yeah. Brother Smith, of course, there's a lot I regret in my past. Would you, would you go back and do it differently? Yeah, I think so. Um, did you learn anything from those, from that? Oh yeah. I learned a ton from that mistake. Right. Um, and I think maybe that at least that's how I see it. Now I know some people are going to hate that analogy. And that's why I tell them it came from Lorenzo Snow. Like I started, (laughs) I I may be advanced no quote. Yeah. But I may be advanced on it too much. Right. I I've really, I've really bit on this, on this analogy, but for me it works, uh, because I see the church as a living growing thing that's learning and adjusting. and, And I give it as much what, what's uh, slack, I guess, mm-hmm. as, as I give uh, other living beings and other, other living things. Let me give you one more and then I, I'm sure you're ready to move on. The other one I love to remind students of is Article of Faith number nine. And we believe. Is, yeah, we, good, Richie. Good. <laughs> yes. Um, and I'll tell them, do you remember it? And they do the same thing you did. We believe, and I'm like, in for all for that God for has for revealed. Revealed. <laughs> We believe in all that God has revealed, all that he does now reveal. And we believe that he will yet reveal many great important things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now, I, I say, as far as I know, Article of Faith 9 has not been rescinded, right? Yeah. That, that they've said, okay, all the great and important things are now out. We're now going to, we believe that he will yet reveal many side issues, things that, you know, because we've got everything. Now, to me, the, the idea of Article of Faith number nine is, is beautiful. It means that nothing is set. Nothing can be set. I mean, it's, but my testimony is, isn't in doctrinal certainty. It's in the idea of a continuing revelation, right? Mm-hmm. So when changes come or when we say, well, you know, we're adjusting this a little bit to me, that fits exactly into article faith number nine, that the Lord has yet to reveal many great and important things. And they'll have certain issues that really are near and dear to their heart. And I will say, hold on tight to Article of Faith 9, because all the things you hope for and wish and would love to see adjusted and changed, you might see happen in your, in your lifetime, right? Uh, and who knows? Who knows if you're not even part of that? Okay, can I do one more? Sure, can I do one sure. More? I'll let you do one more. Okay, the other one I do, and, and people don't like this. I'll be honest. Uh, there's well, some... great. Thanks for sharing it. <laughs> okay. um, and and it's usually the people uh, on Twitter who are who are like, I'm going to defend the prophet to the death, mm-hmm. right? And I'm like, so we okay. know those group, but let not please bring down the the hellfire right. of that group. 
Right. And it happens to me sometimes. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm pretty used to it, especially on Twitter. So um, the other one I like is uh, from Paul. He talks about how the church is a body and how the, the body has a head and a hand and feet. And we're never supposed to say the foot is never supposed to say the hand. I have no need of thee. Right. And so I'll, I'll ask him to see the church as a body. And let's say you're part, you're not the head, right? You're not the first presidency. You're not the quorum of the 12. You're not in the, in the, the first quorum of the 70s. You're not the head. Let's put you, you're a finger. All right. So when the finger feels pain, what is it supposed, what does it do? Not what is it supposed to do? What does it do automatically? It sends that signal up to the brain and the brain makes adjustments. Well, let's talk about it like a church. If I'm feeling pain from something, that signal is supposed to go back up to the first presidency, up to the quorum of the 12. Um, and, and they'll make those adjustments. I believe that to be a form of revelation to the head, right? That the church members can offer the head revelation by, by offering them feedback on what they feel. Now, the hand can't attack the head, right? <laughs> the, if you're a part of the hand, you've got to send the signal back up. But if you attack the head, I mean, you're, you're, the, the head has nothing it can do besides try to get rid of you or restrain you or put you somewhere where you're not going to attack the head anymore. Mm. So I think what happens, Richie, and again, I'm being super open here. I might get called into the department chair's office after this, and I'm okay with that too, um, is that some people along that line are not letting that signal get up to the head. Mm. They think that for some reason, the head won't find that important or they speak for the head sometimes, mm -hmm. right? I've, mm -hmm. I've known middle managers in the church who will say, no, the apostles won't like that. No, the apostles won't be interested in talking about that. I'm going to basically protect them from that message. And mm -hmm. I think that that's why the hand gets frustrated because sometimes that message never gets up to the head until you know finally it's screaming in front of the head. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think the apostles are misinformed. I just think they have the body, the head has a lot going on. Right, right. Um, and, and someone will say to me, like, how come, you know, there's somebody out in front of the church office building and they're protesting or they're, you know, do, doing a hunger strike or something. Why don't, why don't the brethren respond to that? And I said, you, you've got to, you've got to see it from their perspective, because if, if they, if they say, you know what, you're right, let's talk about this because it is a real issue. Let's talk about this tomorrow. You're going to have 10 people there who are doing hunger strikes. Mm -hmm. And if they listen to all of them and bring all of them and talk to them and make adjustments based on that, then the next day they're going to have 50. I think parents understand this better than non-parents, right? Yes, that's a real issue. Yes, we should be doing something about it. No, I cannot respond to that tantrum. No, I cannot respond to that because then I'll tell every other kid in our house, that's how you get attention. Yeah right? That's how things get done. So I have to not only listen to you, but I have to, I have to think about the future. I have to think, you know, what, what unintended consequences might come from this and young people bless them. I, I love the young people in the church. They give us energy. They give us ideas. Young people have, a lot of them have yet to think of the idea of there may be unintended consequences from fill in the blank. Right. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so, as we get older, as we become parents, that's, I think for me personally, that's when I started thinking this decision may have unintended consequences. Mm. I better look at those and analyze those. So those different paradigms, I don't use all of them all the time. Those sometimes 
they might not help everyone. Some people, you know, especially those who aren't interested in being helped. Yeah. Uh, they just want to, they just want to argue with me. Um, those to me help. Um, they, they, they have some kids have gone, well, I've never thought of it like that. I think that's, I can see that. I can see why, you know, that would, that, that why this thing could have happened. Um, the, probably the other one is tell me your line where a prophet is a prophet, <laughs> right? Like, is it okay if the prophet speeds? Right. If he's right. Oh yeah, that's fine. No big deal. Is it okay if the prophet, like, where's your personal line on where a prophet is still a prophet? And for some people, it's so far over there. A prophet should never get sick, should, <laughs> should win the lottery every year, right? Like, th that line is, a prophet should know when anybody is lying, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Should absolutely know when anybody is lying. A prophet should know um, if, you know, this cultural thing is cultural and not and not from God. Like, where is your personal line? Because I've noticed some people, their line is way over here to where a prophet can just be like any other person and they can still speak for God. Like, hmm. they can even be worse than a regular person and they can speak for God. And for other people, a prophet, a prophet has no room to, do, to be a human being, yeah. right? Yeah. Zero room to be a human being. And when it's funny is that everybody's line is different and you ask them, where did you get that line? Right. Like who, and yep. usually it's, yep. you know, the church culture, parents gave me a line and we need to analyze, man, I got thought of another thing. I'm going to stop now though. <laughs> we need to analyze our expectations. So brother Smith, I didn't know. I, I just feel really rocked today. I didn't know the book of Mormon had been changed. Okay. Um, did you know that? Yeah, I knew that. I've been teaching this a long time. Um, are you okay with that? I'm 100% okay with that. Why? Well, I'm like, where did you get the expectation that it wouldn't be changed? And they're like, and they think for a while because they don't know where they got that expectation. Sure. Um, she said, I, I, I guess I assumed. Um, didn't Joseph Smith say it was the most correct of any book on earth? Yeah. Yeah, he did. Well, does that mean, and I'll ask him, does that mean he meant it shouldn't have any changes? Because I'll tell you, guess who made the most changes? Yeah. Joseph Smith made the most changes in right. 1835. He's the one that made the most changes to the book. So I don't think that's what he meant um, when he said it wouldn't have changes. So where did you get that from? And I've noticed, not always, Richie, not always, but almost, uh, not even almost always, a lot of the time, someone's issue, someone's difficulty, and it's a real difficulty. I'm not, I don't want to say it's not a real thing. It's keeping them up at night. They're praying over it. They're thinking about it. They're searching for answers. A lot of the time, it was based on a bad assumption. It was based on a bad expectation. Uh, I use Luke 24 with that. Remember the two apostles on the road to Emmaus? Mm -hmm. And the Savior died. And they were talking to the Savior unknowingly. And they said, we thought he was the Messiah. We thought he was coming to redeem Israel. We thought it was, this was it. We thought it was it. But obviously it's not. And the Savior responds with, you fools. Uh, and, and what, where did they get the expectation? The Messiah would not die. They didn't, definitely didn't get it from Jesus. where did they get that expectation? The Messiah would not suffer and die. Well, they got it from tradition. They got it from false reading of the scriptures. They got it from a bad reading of the scriptures. They got it from their parents. They got it from their teachers. Maybe they just made an assumption out of thin air. The Messiah is not going to die. So instead of analyze, instead of doubting God, 
they should doubt their expectations first. I think that's what President Uchtdorf meant when he said doubt your doubts. Right. I think what he meant, Which people take a mind, ton of issue with. Right. Like, I think what he meant was analyze your expectations first. Right. Where did I get the expectation that polygamy would never be part of the church? Where would I get that expectation? Well, I don't like it. Well, that's good, but that's not a that's not a valid place to get that expectation. Go to the scriptures. What does it say? Well, the Lord specifically is like, yeah, if I require it, I, I may require it. Yeah. And it never says you have to like it. It never says. Right. It's so, uh, you know, I've often said next time the Lord does anything, I'll make sure he checks it with you first. <laughs> to make sure you like it, yeah. right? Make sure you're comfortable with it. Um, so to me, the, that was kind of a vomiting back to you of every, not everything, but a lot of what I, I use. Probably, again, I'm in a mood right now where I'm being a little too bold, a little too forceful. I wouldn't do that one-on-one. I'd, I'd try to listen a lot better, uh, empathize, of course, with someone, because this is a real thing. Right. Uh, and faith is very intimate. And so to kind of go into a, someone's life like a bull in a china shop, well, what, what do you have this problem for? That right. shouldn't be an issue. Well, right. you just don't, you just don't have enough faith. Yeah. Right? Ho- hopefully people give you that credit and go, OK, yeah, it's the it's the interaction between the two of these. But I mean, what you yeah, what I'm just you, trying to spill out and try to be fast too. Sure, you know, where sure. people stay interested in the podcast. Um, but uh, yeah, that's where I'm that's where I, I th- I'm going to try to go somewhere that maybe opens them to a new angle on uh, just the way they've thought in the past. I'll take it. Let's take a break. When we come back in the third block of the cultural hall, I want to talk about repentance. Yay. Hey, this is Dan, the laptop man from PC Laptops. I know we're going through a lot right now. Many states are quarantining people to their homes so that they have to work remotely. One of the things that's really important is to have a computer that's functioning correctly. One with a good webcam, one that's fast so you can be productive, one that has a good quality screen because you're going to be on this all day remotely. Computer supply has been strained because manufacturing has almost stopped. At PC Laptops, we've secured a limited quantity of laptop and desktop computers that are backed with a lifetime service guarantee. They're available for you right now in limited quantity. The great thing about PC Laptops is this. Once you buy your new computer, If you have any problems or questions, we're here to take care of you. Also, to make it really easy right now, we've arranged with some banks to offer 12-month special financing. Get into PC Laptops right now, because at PC Laptops, we're here for you, and we're in this together. PCLaptops.com. Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. Time for the third block of the Cultural Hall. Don't forget, if you want to be with like-minded folks, you like to chat about some of these side tangents that happen in the Cultural Hall, there's a group you don't even have to pay to be a part of. It's the Cultural Hall back row. You know you sit there. You can find that group on Facebook and ask to be admitted. We have to let you because we don't want everyone, and you know who you're talking, who I'm talking about. We don't want you, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, that person, 
No, we take everyone. We just we just gatekeep it so that we know who you are and, and be able to welcome you in. But we have all sorts of side conversations uh, about any sort of thing that comes up in an episode. And quite frankly, things that don't come up in episodes. So you can find it. It's the Cultural Hall back row. Hank, so I liked your example of like, we're growing, right? We're babies. And then we're, you know, and then we're adolescents and all these things. I really like that. One thing that I have a hard time with, with that. Imagine, if you will, and my wife, by the way, will say I am the king of bad comparisons. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully I can I can uh, I can share at least this idea as we work to- towards talking about repentance for the in- end of this episode. The idea of in order to grow, to learn, to be better than we were before, part of the repentance process is to ask forgiveness or to right. apologize. And we are seemingly, and maybe maybe this is where you can help me. Maybe this is where we take this off this box off the shelf and and we can have this after your class discussion. Yes. But but we as a church seemingly don't apologize for things. Mm-hmm. And and I put that in and here's where the bad comparison comes around and and why I think some people would find their way out of the church is mm-hmm. they go, "Listen, if if my um if my spouse cheated on me for example and said I'm not ever going to do that again I love you so much and then I said hey I want to talk about it and I said I'm not doing it anymore let's just move on and what that person wants is an apology for what the thing that you did was wrong right. yeah Th- I mean that's all they want they know they trust that you're not going to do that thing again they trust that you have even maybe grown, learned, progressed on from whatever that thing was. And adultery is, you know, pretty extreme, but we take whatever example that is. But but we are not in the habit of saying, we know this thing was hard, difficult, right. painful. Sorry about that. And And to so many people, I think that that would be so significant and i'm not just talking about the issue of race which people probably think i'm talking about there are lots of incidences where we've just kind of said listen we don't do it anymore what do you want right um here's how i'd I'd answer that um and and you can sense my my hesitancy because this is a tender area um it's not that it's like oh i don't want to address that let's sweep it under the rug i just we, we have to be sensitive i think the one thing that people forget and, and it's just helpful to remember. It might not solve the issue for you, but it's helpful to remember is that the, the authorities of the church, let's say the 12 apostles right now, feel a great deal of loyalty to their predecessors. Mm-hmm. Do you remember President Hinckley talking about Brigham Young? Sure. He had a picture of him behind him on, in his office. He said he would turn and look at it sometimes and say, what would you do? Mm-hmm. Right? Do you remember Brother Brigham would speak back to him sometimes? He looked at me as if to say... Don't ask me. I had my own problems, right? <laughs> uh, and he's and we all laughed, right? Um, and so I think the the elders of of you know the first presidency, the quorum of the twelve, and their spouses, I think they feel a great deal of loyalty to those who came before them, and they're very very careful to not throw them under the bus. Um, they're very very careful to not say, "Well, the people before us were well, right? The idiots." And so I think that's probably part of it is, um, you know, the, the, the people in the quorum of the 12 right now 
um, they grew up as students of Elder McConkie. Yeah. Right. I yeah. mean, and part of them, some of them were in the quorum with Elder McConkie. President Nelson was, uh, President Oaks was. Uh, I'm trying to think. Elder Eyring probably wasn't. So those are probably your two. Maybe Elder Ballard. I'm not sure on President Ballard if he was there. Uh, and so, and and he taught them. He was their mentor, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so to say, you know, well, we're so sorry for the behavior of this person or this saying of this person. I can see that why that would be, that would be a hard thing to go. Well, I just threw my mentor under the bus um, for that. Now, I don't, I don't think that that is going to solve anybody's issue, yeah. but at least when they can say, wow, you know, that would be hard. It would, it's, it's hard because we have an automatic need. Me personally, I have an automatic need to defend my friends, to defend my parents, right? I personally know my parents aren't perfect, but you go and bash on my parents and I will defend them to the death, right? Because mm -hmm. I am loyal um, to, to them. So I think that's part of it. Second, there's a difference between your analogy in the church, because what you were talking about with adultery or something like that is a very private apology, right? Right. It's a very private apology. It would be different. If See, I wife... told you it would be a bad example. It's and not my, a bad example. And my wife will get to this point as she's listening to this and be like, idiot. I tell him it's not, not to. It's not a bad example. <laughs> it's not a bad example because apologies are very healing. Yeah. Uh, uh, the best, I, in my opinion, the best apology is change behavior, right? That's the best. Uh, words are good, but, um, and so if, let's say uh, I, I did something wrong and my wife came to me and said, I don't want change behavior. I want you to publicly apologize. I want you to stand up in fast and testimony meeting and say what you did was wrong. That's a little different to me um, because I'm going, well, that's hard. Yeah. Right. That's hard. Uh, and why it's hard. I don't know. Is it my pride? Is it um, that I shouldn't have to Right? Should I have to publicly stand up and apologize? So I wonder in the private ministry of the ministers of the church, the quorum of the 12, the, you know, the presiding, uh, what am I thinking of? The first quorum of the 70. I wonder if some of that isn't done privately, hmm. you know, where, Someone who was really hurt comes to, you know, is very faithful, comes to a member of the 12, their friend of them, and they sit and talk for a while. Uh, and if that doesn't happen privately, you know, yeah. um, instead of publicly. So a lot of the critics of the church want the church to publicly apologize. And I get that. I get that. Uh, but it's, you know, if you weren't the one offended, Right. Yeah. If I came to you, if I came to you and said, Richie, you you committed adultery and your wife, I want you to publicly apologize. You'd be like, Hank, you're not part of this. Yeah. <laughs> this is between me and my wife. It has right. nothing to do. With so some of the people who want a public apology are not those who are involved in the situation at all. Right. right? Um, and uh, and those who, you know, were involved uh, seem to be some of those who are the most OK. Hmm. Right. When hmm. I talk to my uh, when I, I have friends who are African-American who are black. Uh, and, you know, maybe I've, maybe just in my circle of friends, I've never run into one who hates the church. Uh, but those who are faithful in the church, uh, they're, they seem to be the most okay. Yeah. So yeah. It, again, I'm dancing around the issue. I realize that I, I know that there are apostles and prophets who said the church does not seek nor give apologies. Yeah. And I'm not going to sit here and say, I understand that yeah. entirely. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know yeah. why, but uh, that has been stated, right? Yeah. It, it, it's such a fascinating thing as you bring up. Uh, you know, we had an opportunity to visit with Joseph Freeman, which if you don't know who that is, uh, he's the first man to receive the priesthood after the ban oh, okay. was lifted. And, I don't think I've heard that episode yet. Uh, amazing. You should check it out. I'll leave a link in the show notes. Uh, also, you can find it at theculturalhall.com, Hank. Got it. Uh, if you click subscribe, you never miss an episode. Uh, Ooh, okay. <laughs> this plug it brought to you by... It is on my phone. I do have the Cultural Hall podcast on my phone. Thank you, sir. Uh, yeah. But, y- you know, there that's a guy who could very easily be very upset about because he was was within the church almost wasn't able to be with his wife because he couldn't hold the priesthood because of the ban and and all of these things but as you hear him recount his experience and that changed behavior like you say he just he just wept and is so grateful and has just flourished within that well well others would go yeah 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 it's great and i'm not saying it's not great but years of hurt Years of, 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 uh, of, of not understanding why you can't just say sorry. It's like in that spouse, you know, back and forth. No, well, I love sorry. you. Just say sorry. I just want to know that you're sorry. Yep. Just tell me. I know that you're great. I know we can have a great life. I know we can be together. I know that it's eternal. Just say you're sorry. <laughs> and I, I love that. I think, um, and those who, if someone came to me and said, I just, oh, if this was just one thing would happen, I would be better. I'd feel okay, right? Um, and then I go back to Article Faith 9. We believe that the Lord will yet reveal many great and important things. Your issue, you, the thing you're so clear, clear to your heart is obviously a great and important issue, right? Mm-hmm. We believe he will yet reveal great and many great and important. It's a very great and important issue. So hold on to that, right? I am... Uh, you know, there's there's different personalities in the Quorum of the Twelve called to the Quorum of the Twelve and the First Presidency on purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have 15 people up there who all think very differently. Can you imagine sitting in those meetings? These are not these are not people who who just say yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got we've got people who ran businesses, people who have been married for you know 60 years who who have this experience. And I'm sure that the back and forth of all this is, is important. Yet they are very loyal to each other. Um, you never used to hear any public dissent, although I'm sure there's a lot of private. Uh, well, and there used to be, I miss some of that jabbing at general conference that you would get back in the time of Benson and some other folks, but we digress. Right. Uh, yeah. And, and if you read, you want to read a, a great book. If you are a, if you're a scholar, if you're looking for scholarly look, books, one of the best books ever written is called Mormonism in Transition. Hmm. Um, and it's basically, how did the church go from this crazy out West polygamous group to uh, 50 years later, you know, eight, that's 1880 to 1930 being pretty well accepted as American religion. Like how did that how did that happen? And that he covers, I can't remember the author's name, but he covers those 50 years. And you hear about the back and forth in the 12th. There was, you know, some heated exchanges. And I wonder if that if that still happens. So I look forward to the day where those those who are really taking issue with this, you know, see uh Thomas Alexander is his name. That's what I was distracted Thomas with. Thomas Alexander. See uh see, you know, uh, what they what they had hoped for. Um, what they had longed for. Cause I don't, you know, I don't see anything wrong with someone saying, just apologize. Yeah. I just apologize. I'm not going to come down and go, you are apostate. You are, you don't love the quorum of the 12. No, that's a very natural healing thing to ask for. Uh, 
and when, you know, when it said that the church is not going to seek nor give apologies, my answer is, I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know why. What are you, what are you nerding out about within the church now? This is the last question. I'm not going to ask you the three questions I ask everyone, because I did that at the end of 427. Like, what, right. what, uh, what's captivating your curiosity within the church now? I can stall oh. for you if you need a minute. Oh, no, no, this isn't, this isn't too tough for me. Okay. Um, I am fascinated, interested, and just want to learn more about the Reformation. Uh, the Mormon I, Reformation. No, no, the, the, the Reformation. Because uh, so, um, you know there is a, a Mormon Reformation. There is, there is. When, uh, when but, saints were asked to be re-baptized again, I, oh, fell, yeah. I fell down that rabbit hole a while back and went, what? Oh, yeah. I, the idea of a single baptism during your life is a relatively new idea. Yeah. Uh, and most people don't get that. <laughs> I mean, even when the saints all got to uh, Utah, yep. they all were rebaptized. I mean, and the 10 year anniversary, and, they were all rebaptized. And I mean, so. I've done it twice, too. That's a different story. And I don't recommend right. my path to everyone. But I mean, that's <laughs> there. So you mean like the Reformation? Yeah, I'm talking the Reformation. There's a statement from 1978. The first presidency basically says, the reformers were enlightened by God, right? They received revelation from God. I think it's a February, 1978, you know, uh, and then it goes on to say, we believe that God will give all mankind sufficient knowledge to help them on their way to eternal life. So the idea that God doesn't talk to anybody, but members of the church and the prophet is, I think a very flawed paradigm. Hmm. Again, might get in trouble for that, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I think that that is a, I think it's a flawed paradigm just based on that statement alone. You know, sure. I I've never heard anybody take that back. I don't think we have a corner on Jesus. Yeah. So um, to me, I love to see the revelation coming to William Tyndale, to John Wycliffe, to people like Anne Askew. Um, I love studying the life of Henry VIII. He was instrumental in the English Bible, uh, but yet he is a, <laughs> I don't want to say he's a bad guy because I don't like judging people in history, sure. but- if I'm going to judge someone in history, I'm like, what was what was your deal? Well, I mean, uh, history teaches me that he got married to the widow next door and that she'd been married seven times before. Right, good. I'm glad you learned that song. And in everyone was a Henry. Right. She would and, not take a Willie or a Sam. She's the eighth enough, old. Enough, <laughs> enough. You're chatting. Um, so you look at Henry VIII, and he was an instrumental tool in God's hands to bring about the English Bible. Yet this guy was, when it comes to just good people doing good things, he's not on the list. Hmm. Um, and I'm going, okay, I, this is fascinating. Martin Luther. Martin Luther, most people don't realize Martin Luther was, um, he was OCD, almost, he, he had some, uh, some mental illnesses with confession. He would confess three, four, five, six times a day. Hmm. It got to the point where some of the priests he was working with said, just write it down and give it to me at the end hmm. of the week, hmm. right? I can't do this. I can't keep, and so that's a that's a weird person, right? That's kind of an sure. odd thing. Uh, and yet here he is doing this incredible change to the planet, right? Uh, I mean, you've got John Wycliffe, who's a very faithful Catholic who begins the, the Protestant movement without even knowing it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, and so to me, I love to see in the Reformation, just like I love to see in the Restoration, but uh, a little bit broader concept, I guess, is uh, the Lord working through these, what well, I would call very, not just imperfect, but very flawed individuals. Hmm. Um, and yet, 
here they are doing uh, what I think is the work of God, opening, you know, the great chess match to where the Bible is going to get to upstate New York at the right time um, in the right place. So I, I just love it. I, I love the idea. William Tyndale to me should be, we, I just wish we talked about him more. Um, well, maybe that, guy. maybe that's your life's mission or at oh, least yeah. for the next little bit, make him more yeah. commonplace within. And my mean, students, when I tell them these stories, they are just wowed by them. Like Anne Askew is a woman who was, who was, you know, um, basically undercover peddling the English Bible, you know, as it came in from Germany into England, she's giving it out. Um, and, uh, they torture her. They didn't torture women at this time. You know, they, they burned people at the stake, but they were 99% men and, and boys. Uh, you know, here's a little boy who's 10 years old, who has a copy of the Lord's prayer in English in his coat pocket, and he's burned for mm. it. Right? Mm. In English. Uh, and she is getting these Bibles out there and they want to know who she's giving them to, wh what men she is giving them to so they can prosecute them. And they torture her and on the rack uh, to give up these names. And uh, she, they basically, you know, as she's, her limbs are popping out of joint. I'm sure I'm, you know, sensationalizing the story a little bit, but this is how it's told as her shoulders and knees and ankles are all being popped out of joint. She's, they're telling her to, give in. And she said, I didn't come this far to deny my God. Right. I'm going, Oh, why are, <laughs> yeah. why are we not telling these stories? You know? So I, it's one of my life's missions, I guess, when I teach the English Bible to my students at BYU to tell them the kind of blood and people that, you know, that got that Bible on their phone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so. so I'll share mine and then we'll close this thing out. You know how we didn't go through a rebrand a couple of years ago? You know, right. it's the yeah. Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, not the Mormons, uh, and that's not a rebrand. Yeah. I am fascinated yeah. by the way we are not rebranding. <laughs> to the to the extent, and I talk about this a bunch, but that I'm almost as bold to say that we will not see the angel Moroni return to the Salt Lake Temple. Because Ooh. in temples that have been announced and uh, further either built, started to be built, or plans have been drawn. If they were announced at the fall of October 2018, they can have a Moroni on them. But any of spring 19, fall 19, or spring 20, none of those have a Moroni. And it makes sense to me, and people get mad. Like on the drawings? Yeah, there's like, not. Yeah, that, 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 that a Moroni yeah. is not going on those temples. And the reason why, and it makes sense if it was a rebranding, but it's not, so people get confused, is if, if I'm not a member of the church and I go to a temple and I say, who is that? And they say, um, Angel Moroni, and they go, oh, so it's Angel Moroni's church. It, right. it doesn't fit in with our not rebrand. To yeah, And do you know why it's there? Most people don't even know why it's there. Um, at first on the Nauvoo temple, Moroni was not, um, vertical. He was, uh, horizontal. Yeah. And he was a weather vane. Yeah. He's flying. Yeah. All right. He's flying. And Joseph Smith put that on there to indicate, uh, it's the book of revelation chapter 14. I saw another angel flying through the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to them that dwelled on the earth. So, I mean, and there's no doctrine of this, that the Lord's like, he's gotta be there, mm -hmm. right? He's gotta be on. And there. he's In gotta fact, face you know, the East and he's gotta. 
Yeah. And you know, what's funny is um, if you read Moroni in the Book of Mormon, he says, <laughs> it's one of my favorite moments where he says, he's chewing us out in the latter days. And he says, you care more about the adorning of your church's decoration mm -hmm. than you do about the poor. And I'm like, dude, we put you on top of the temple. <laughs> Stop complaining. Yeah. Right. He cares. <laughs> right. He's the one that says we, yeah. we decorate too much. So, uh, most people don't realize a lot of the temple comes from the book of Revelation, right? The sun, moon, and stars is not from celestial, terrestrial, celestial. It's from the woman in the book of Revelation. I think she's in chapter 12, uh, where she has um, a crown of, of stars on her head. She's clothed with the sun and it, she has the moon at her feet. That's why the moon is at the, you know, the bottom level, the sun's at the middle and the stars are on top. She's the woman, right? So all of this comes from the book of Revelation. Uh, and, the idea that someone would say, oh, that can't be changed, mm -hmm. right, is is an indication that we have a lot of things in this church where, yeah, you, that can be changed, right? That yeah. can and maybe should. Yeah. Uh, be, you know, one of those great and important things where we grew up, where we saw, oh, yeah, let's make a change there. I, I hope my wife is satisfied with this episode. Otherwise, we're going to have to come back and do it again. Me too. And I was, I'm a little bit edgier here than I'm, I normally am. So uh, you might need to provide me a job um, <laughs> afterwards. Deal. Uh, I'm, I'm getting more bold in my old age. I don't yeah. know about you. Yeah, listen, I, listen. I am like, hey, sue me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Although don't actually sue him. That's just, Please don't sue me. That's just a phrase. Please don't actually sue him. Like, listen, I, I am, I think the way I think I am the way I am. I, I just don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a yes man. Mm -hmm. I love the church. I'm dedicated to the church. Sure. I, I want to build it with all my heart and mind, soul. I think it's good for people. I think, but I'm not a yes man. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go. Yeah, that's, that's the way it is. Yeah. Right? We shouldn't talk about it. We shouldn't, we shouldn't, uh, we should just brush that under the rug because it doesn't look good. I'm if, not that guy. If people have issues with us, they can always email us contact at the cultural hall.com or anywhere uh, that we are on social media. There is some sort of direct message that you can send us. Uh, if we get enough of those, I'll I'll get Hank in my schedule. Then he'll have to reschedule seven times, and then I'll get him back in, and we'll do another episode. I'm teasing Hank. Let's keep going. I want you to interview Anthony Sweat, please. Oh, all right. And, uh, ask him some hard questions. He can take it. Deal. I will. And okay. uh, I apologize about the jab about your schedule. You only had to reschedule one time this time. But hey, I, yeah, I'm not. Hey, I, yeah. I've got a pretty open schedule. If someone wants to fight yeah. on Twitter, I'm pretty <laughs> right now. So. We hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body, that if you weren't healthy enough to listen this week, that you'll be healthy enough to listen next week, and that when the time comes, you'll be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, we'll be saving a seat for you on the back row of the Cultural Hall. Save me a seat, it's sure to be nice.